you found it, anything valuable, maybe a wallet, uh, maybe you lost your keys this morning. How many go ahead and admit it if you lost your keys this morning? Thank you very much. All right, we got one person. Okay. But I know that feeling when you lose something and then you find it, there's nothing better. You know, whether it is something valuable, it could be jewelry, it could be a watch, it could be a person. Uh, Maybe, you know, you lost your kid at a park or a mall or something, and all of a sudden you went crazy and you searched and you looked, and when you found them, I hope you found them, and when you found them, you you gave them a hug and you said, you're never doing that again, and that's why there's those leashes at parks and everybody walks around with the leash now and your kids are on a leash. That's awesome. Uh, but, But the idea is, yes, um, this is a joy that can happen. And, you know, if, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I want you to know that God loves you so much that there's a joy in his heart when you come to know him, when you get found by him, when you find him, when you are found, when you're no longer lost. What the Bible would say, you know, Jesus say, I have come to save the lost. He's come for the lost. He's come for those that don't know him yet. And he loves you very much. And so we're at that place in the book of Luke where Jesus breaks down uh, a, a couple of parables, a couple of stories. And he wants you and I to be at that place where we understand what this means for us, that we could have joy in, in the lost being found. That we would not, that this would be a church, honestly, that we are not so interested, you know, focused on ourselves or on just our Christianity, that we forget there's a world out there that doesn't know Jesus outside of these walls, around the street, across the bridge, you know, right down the road, at your workplace, at the Publix or at the cashier, wherever it may be, that there is a world that does not know Jesus. And according to the Bible, they're lost. And so if you're here today and you're going, well, I'm not lost, I'm I'm fine, Uh, okay. But I want you to know that Jesus loves you so much that he actually speaks this parable because he wants us to have this kind of attitude towards anybody that doesn't know him yet, that doesn't know the forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life. And so here's this picture where he says in verse one of chapter 15, Luke chapter 15, verse one, he says this, then All the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. I want you to just focus on the first verse and really just the then. Because then I have to kind of give you a background. The last time I taught you um, was a couple weeks ago, and we were in Luke chapter 14. And the idea was, wow, you know what? Uh, Jesus just gave some incredibly tough discipleship uh, DNA, if you would. Hey, this is what you do. If you're going to follow me, you got to love me more than you love your mom, your dad, your kids, everything else. You got to put me above everything. And then at the same time, he says, hey, if you're going to follow me, you got to actually deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. And so there's this, wow, okay, how, how do I do that? You know, how does that work? How do I pick up my cross and follow him? Well, it's all about surrender. It's all about me saying, hey, I'm no longer going to live for self. I'm going to live for him. And so these were not easy words. And this was a tough teaching. You know, it's, it's kind of like many people began to leave. But if you notice this, check out what happens. Look at, look at this verse. It says, then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him. Then, so it's like, they weren't affected by the tough teaching. Isn't that interesting? 
And this is my thought for you. This is just an extra bonus thought. It's really just kind of extra. And so the first thought is this. It would be that, uh, not the, the, the actually first slide. There we go. Our love and conviction matter. Like how you live your life, your love for Jesus Christ, your conviction on how you walk it out, it actually matters to everybody around you. You may not know it, but it does. You know, you may not know that there's something that's going on in your life, but um, that is affecting or impacting somebody else. But it, it really, truly does. Because a lot, as somebody who's not a Christian yet, somebody who's not a sinner, excuse me, that is a sinner, that we're all sinners, by the way. We all fall short of the glory of God. But somebody who's not been forgiven of their sins, they look on at your life and they go, wait, I don't, I don't get it. You're really living by this. I don't, that's pretty strong. You're, pretty, you're kind of going for it. And yet, those people still came to Jesus and said, hey, we, we don't mind that tough teaching. We want to hear what else you got to say. Interesting, right? Because so many times, we li- let's be honest, we bl- live in a very politically correct Christian world, if you would. Like, we're, I don't want to offend you with this. Hey, I don't want to really speak the truth. Hey, I don't want to say everything I, I got to say to you because I, I want you to love me. I want you to make sure you feel good. I want to bring you in. I want to butter you up. I want to make sure you know the truth. But Jesus just blanket statement, dropped the mic, gave the tough disciplines of what it means to be a Christian. And these guys still want to draw near to him and hear what he has to say. Can I just say for us as Christians, your convictions in your life that you actually let change you and mold you and shape you and your love for Jesus, it is going to be something that will radically, I believe, impact the people around you. I really do. You know, I have a good friend of mine. He's here today um, and, and we've known each other for a long time. He's in the modeling business with me back in the day and uh, you, you've probably seen him. He's much older than me now. But anyway, no, I'm kidding. That's just my own joke with him. But he, he and his wife came out of the new age movement, if you would, where they were teaching people. They had a podcast with 85,000 followers. They had uh, meetings and sessions doing all sorts of Sharma and New Age philosophy and all sorts of things to be able to help people get to peace or nirvana or whatever it may be in their life where they had oneness, right? But they had all these books that they began to kind of pile up they, they, they took and they said, hey, I'm going to pile up. And Carrie was telling me recently, he said, yeah. So I took, we took the books and it's interesting. I, I didn't really think anything of it. And a, a neighbor came by one time and goes, what are you doing? He goes, oh, we're get, I became a Christian. I, I, I got rid of all these, you know, we're getting rid of all these books. We're getting all this stuff and everything's going away. And I'm, I just decided we're, we're going we're gonna to get rid of it. And uh, so we're thrown away. He goes, wow. And then it was until a couple months later it, that same friend, somebody's coming. <laughs> I'm not sure. Maybe it's my microphone saying, please don't mess up. Okay, here we go. Let's see what happens. I'll try it again. Let's try that. Um, I think the cord's really sensitive, huh? Sorry, people. You know, it's uh, there. So his friend, his friend says to him, hey, uh, I'm, he's going through something and he comes up to Carrie and he goes, hey, I know you are following this Jesus thing. How's that working out for you? Because he's watched his life. And now Carrie's going, well, it's working out pretty good. 
<laughs> I mean, it's good. It's really good. I mean, it's not easy. It's not. But he goes, well, I need some prayer. And here's some things going on in my life. And he begins to share. And so he begins to pray with them. And right there in the middle of the street, now this little meeting goes on where now there's a, 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 not, a, th- this opportunity to invest in somebody. But you would never know that this guy's getting impacted by some conviction that God put on his heart until that moment. What happens in your life? What if you said, hey, I'm going to get rid of this. I'm going to do that. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm, I'm going to put this down. And who knows who is watching? Can I just say, people will be drawn close to you because when in times of need, they're going to look to you and go, hey, so what, what is it about Jesus that's changed you? Can I, I, I hope if you're, if you're a skeptic, if you're a non-believer, you would say, wow, you know what? I want to be drawn to that. I want to find out because you're really believing what you're saying and you're doing what you believe. And that's the difference maker for us. So all these sinners, and and if you notice it, the tax collectors and the sinners, they drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man receives or welcomes sinners and eats with them. So all the tax collectors and the sinners. So all the tax collectors, if you didn't know this, the tax collectors were not like our IRS. These were guys who the, the Roman government would allow to pay usury or add a little percentage on to go from city to city. You could go from city to city and there was a tax that the Romans had. So let's say it was 20 bucks. Then they'd say, okay, it's the tax is 20 bucks. And when he comes into this city, he's got to pay 20. Well, these tax collectors would add on 20. And they'd say, okay, it's 40 bucks to get in. Wait, I heard it was 20. No, it's 40. This is the way it works. So now these guys were hated because people's money were getting taken out of their pocket. So that's why, that's why these guys are like, oh, it's the tax collectors. It's the guys who are ripping people off. They're taking our money. They're, they're trying to use us. And then at the same time, it's sinners. And you could say, well, everybody's a sinner. But these were like the worst of the worst sinners, the way that was described. And so what Jesus is doing, he's welcoming whoever is around him. And he's not only welcoming them, but he's eating with them. And that's a, that's a question for us. It's like, what does our life look like with anybody who's not a Christian? Do you ever just welcome them and eat with them and hang with them? Because it, it, it's what our Savior did, right? He, it was this, man, I'm, all these people are drawn to him. And yet, Jesus didn't look at what they did or where they were at. He looked at what they could potentially be. And so... I want you and I to think like this. The second thought is this. It's that Jesus loves beyond the labels, right? The Pharisees labeled these guys as tax collectors and sinners. They're the worst of the worst. I'm not hanging with them. I'm not going for that. I'm not going to be there with that. Can I just say there's a lot of tax collectors and sinners in here that have been restored by the the, the, the unbelievable grace and mercy of Jesus. And what God does is he comes in and he changes our lives and he makes us new. And if we come to that place where we go, wow, Lord, if you look beyond the labels, then maybe I should look beyond the labels. And what will happen in our hearts is we'll begin to look beyond the label, whether it's at our workplace or at this grocery store or wherever it may be, that we would look beyond any label that would come our way, that we would see, Lord, there is 
There are people who don't know you that you said are lost and you want them to be found. And if you you love these people and you look beyond the label, but you love beyond the label, you love them. You love them before they were even changed. You see, he doesn't see, he doesn't see the tax collector. He sees people who, man, you know what? When you come to know me, when you come to know forgiveness of sins, you're going you're gonna to be, be changed. That's what's going to happen in your life. And for some, that, that is a, unbelievable. You can't even get it, wrap that around. But I want, you to, I want you to think about this. Matthew, who is a tax collector, right? He was one of the disciples who wrote the book of Matthew. So Matthew, here's Jesus seeing Matthew at his tax collector booth. And he says, hey, Matthew, follow me. Matthew gets up and follows him. He leaves all of his money, leaves all the fame and the power and everything he's got. And he says, I'm going to follow Jesus. And he begins to follow and his life is radically transformed. And now he writes the gospel according to Matthew, right? And so we get to read that. We get to see his truth. But here's what we know. Jesus didn't look at Matthew and go, man, this is a wicked tax collector. He's never going to be able to be anybody. No, he saw beyond that. And he loved Matthew beyond that because he knew, Matthew, you have a purpose beyond what you're even thinking you can do. Because so many of us hold on to maybe who we were, or this is what uh, I'm defined by my marriage or the failure of that marriage or what I didn't do or how I didn't do it right. Or I'm defined by my sexual past or I'm defined by my alcoholic or my drug addiction. I'm, a, I'm defined by all these things. And, and, and here's the problem. In this world, right, this world would tell you, well, this is just, that's just where you're at, man. That's just how you got to live. But Jesus comes in and he says, no, 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 you don't understand. I want to take what Whatever your past is, I want to change you because in Christ you become a new creation and old things pass away, all things become new. And what will happen is you'll begin to pile up whatever books you have of your own and you'll burn those things just like they did in the book of Acts to get rid of whatever it was they were holding on to, just like Carrie did, just like it's, it's that opportunity where you go, man, I, this isn't me anymore. But, and it's not about it's a rule or a regulation. It's all about that Jesus actually changes you and gives you the conviction to say, I don't want to do that anymore. And that is a crazy, unbelievable, powerful promise that God gives. But here, unfortunately, we live in a world that tells you you're really not worth that. Let's be honest, we grew up studying evolution and this is, this is part of theology for many people and they think that, man, I'm not really created by God but I come from an animal and if I've really been formed by an animal then I have no meaning in my life and if I have no meaning in my life, well then, then what does it matter if I'm this or that or whatever it may be? Do you understand that it's so important that as God sees you, he sees all of the mess and he wants to bring it to be a masterpiece. Yeah, Ephesians 2.10, it talks about it that way, right? That, you know, uh, that, sorry, this microphone is really bad today, and I apologize. Uh, It probably is my fault, but uh, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. I'll try the wireless probably. It's like, yeah, let me try this one. Check, one, two, we'll take this one off. There we go. That's better. Okay, so here's, here's what I believe that for you and for me, and, and Steve, don't steal my wallet, by the way, okay? Man, it was so nice of Steve to come up, and then I started thinking he might be one of these, like his past. <laughs> and I don't love him beyond what I can see, you know? Like, <laughs> isn't that weird? Yeah, right. Automatically, you're like, hmm, I don't trust him. 
No, I do. He's a good friend, so it's all good. But uh, hey, but can I just say this to you? Because I really believe that the Holy Spirit wants to speak a truth, and I believe the enemy would like to rob you from that truth. And that truth is that if you're here and you think that this world defines you, that you come from an animal and you go to a human, and it's really no purpose, it's like, wait a second, if that's the truth, then, man, I'm missing out everything that Jesus would look on these tax collectors and sinners. And, and it's like, I don't care if you've been ripping people off. I don't care if you've got marriage problems. I don't care if you've had sexual past problems. I don't care what's gone on in your drug addiction. I don't care. I'm going to make you into something new. If you want to receive from me, you heard what I said. But I, I can change you. You just have to be willing to say, Lord, I'm willing to be changed. I, I'm, I'm willing to surrender. You know, there was a there's a really sad, I don't know if this is years ago, and I don't know if you guys remember, but there was a girl, uh, Melissa Dixon, I think it was. She was the prom mom. Did you hear remember that? She was that the Dex Drexler, that's what it was. And um she was the she was the girl who was pregnant, nobody knew it. She was at her prom, she basically uh delivered the baby in the bathroom, cut put the baby in the trash can and then came back outside, had like some food, went out and did all that. And then she ended up getting sentenced to like 13 years in prison. And, but she served three and got up. But you look and you, and you realize, wow, that, that is what, how do you do that? And this guy who's a, he's basically a evolutionary atheist and whatnot, Stephen Pinkler, he wrote this article for the New York Times. And he said this, it's funny, he said, yeah, it's just, it's a picture of evolution because you kill the weakest and, uh, and so the strongest go on, that's evolution, the greatest survive. And I'm thinking, man, if that's really the story, I mean, if your heart doesn't break that there's a baby, I'm sorry, but I'm not from an animal. I'm from the God who created the universe, who made that little baby perfect. And I am at a place where I can realize, man, God has so much more for me. There's so much more purpose. And we're his workmanship. And that's where I get that word masterpiece, because we're not just we're not just some uh, being that's been cultivated in a tube or coming from an animal, but we're actually we're his masterpiece he knitted you together in your mother's womb he's you're fearfully and wonderfully made and you've been created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared before him that we should walk in him so I want you to know this isn't just a word for every Christian out there this is for every person to know that when you come to Christ there is a purpose and a plan for your life if you're willing to come to him but if you say no 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 I don't I don't want to go there I'm not really doing that I feel like I can hold on because it's too tough to change, then you're going to miss out on everything that God has for you. And that's the whole picture. You see, we, we look and we, we realize, wow, you know what? I, I, I've got to be, I've got to be different. You know, Lord, you, you see beyond those things. You love beyond those things. If Jesus loves beyond those things, I mean, Romans 5, 8 says it this way, that God demonstrates his own love toward us, that while you and I were still sinning, while we're still doing the stuff we did, that's when Jesus died for us. So in other words, Jesus dies on the cross for you and me when we're doing the stupid stuff that maybe you and I think define who we are. But Christ comes in and says, no, you see, I love beyond that. And what I want to do is I want to take that old you and I want to transform you into a new you. I want to take you from the mess and make you into the masterpiece. And that's what the Lord wants to do in your life. But you have to be willing to go, all right, Lord, yeah, here I am. This is, this is what I want you to do. And I have to see 
that I'm, that that's who it is. And, and then we have to see other people. Like, I don't want to be a Pharisee, right? I don't want, the Pharisees are complaining. Like, oh, I can't believe there's, they're welcoming sinners. Like, this should be, this home, this church should be the place where everybody feels very comfortable, you know? You know, I grew up, um, when I went to college, I went to college in the South. And in the South, they have really funny expressions. You know, obviously, uh, in South Carolina, it was, you know, you all. You, you say, y'all, y'all, what's up, y'all? How y'all doing? You know, that, that's good. And you, all, you say, okay, I know that one. But my, my roommate, he would say, oh, that tickles me. Oh, that tickles me. When he, whenever anything was funny, he'd be like, that tickles me. That tickles me. I'm like, I didn't tickle you. He goes, no, that tickles me. <laughs> it was so funny. And so you, you and, and all these different little expressions that you go, wow, you Southerners have it, right? And, but if you're sweating profusely, one of the Southern expressions is, man, I am sweating bigger more than a hooker in it sitting in church, you know? And that's what, it's one of their, I've seen t-shirts with it, yeah. And so the, the idea, so the idea is the hooker would be sitting in church, which is a sinner, and, and, and one of the uh, tax collector sinners, all these things. The, and, and you may be a hooker sitting here, and I hope you feel that not just the, the presence of God, but you feel the love of God. Because what you shouldn't feel is the, the, the eyes from anybody else going, is that, what is that, what kind of life? No, because we should love beyond what we see. We should love beyond what is labeled you. And this house should be the house where we go, hey, so come on in here, man. This is a great place for you to be. Like how, how do, let me ask you this question. How do we reach those people? And so one of the things that we want to do is that, you know, even in your community group, we say, hey, here's an opportunity, you guys. You can, in your community group while you're doing it in these next few weeks, come up with ideas how we can reach the community, how we can bless the community. What would that community blessing look like? What project could we do? Whether it's for a school or a neighborhood or whatever it may be, how could we do that? And, and, and then you and I, we get to do that together. We're going to pick some and we're going to do it. That's our heart. Or, or maybe it's you just inviting people wherever you go. You're inviting people. Hey, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. I want you to know that, that there's a, a purpose for your life. That we would see beyond where people think they exist. And if, I, if you're here today and you're still living in your past or you're living in what you think that you're defined by, I want you to know that Jesus loves you so much that he loves you beyond the labels that are on your life. And you got to hold on to that. You can't dwell in that world, man. You can't dwell in the world where it's, I got to stay there because that's basically what the world's told me. I'm not worth anything. And I would say to you, you were highly valuable. And you're going to see that here as we pick it up in verse 3. So he spoke this parable to them saying, what man of you. Now he's talking, remember, these are the Pharisees that basically just called out like, I can't believe he's sitting down with sinners and tax collectors and he welcomes them. I mean, are you kidding me? What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. 
Check it out. So what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 of the wilderness and go after the one? So there's this picture for you and I that, that, that we, in fact, look at this. Okay, well, what is Jesus doing? He's, he's setting up a, a story for everybody to engage in. So he uses animals, right? So he says, hey, you know, what if, what, let's say you had a hundred sheep. And one of them got lost. And you're going, I don't see what the big deal is. Like, if you've got 100 sheep, what's one sheep, right? It's kind of like cut your losses, and that's cool. But you've got to remember that shepherding was the outcast business back in those days. Nobody was, felt like a shepherd was clean. They weren't welcome. They weren't really, uh, the Pharisees, especially the religious people, didn't want them to come and hang out in the temple. They, they were dirty because they worked with animals. So the whole idea was uh, this was a nasty business. And the, and the thing was they could they could be a shepherd for somebody else who owned a hundred sheep or perhaps they lived in a village where there was four or five different shepherds and each one of them had 10 to 20 sheep or something and now they would put them all together and one or two would go out there and watch the hundred so now they're responsible for these sheep and if one goes missing then all the guys it's like man we just lost one of our sheep it was a tragedy you just don't lose your sheep you know that was the thing and so here's Here's this point where, wow, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't see what, what is he getting at. Well, remember, the shepherd is really God in Christ Jesus. It's Jesus. It's, he's the shepherd. And he's going to go and search it and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. I love that. Like, I'm going to search that one out. And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders. I don't care how dirty, how stinky, how whatever it's gone through. I'm going to put it on my shoulders and let him hear my voice. He's going to be the shepherd to that sheep. But he leaves the 99. You could say, but isn't that dangerous? You're leaving the 99. Well, the whole idea was, and you're going to see it in a second, but Jesus basically is kind of rebuking these guys because all they wanted to do was keep to themselves. They didn't want any sinners or people who thought they needed God. They thought he, he, he wanted to make sure that he, he would save even the one who felt compelled that was lost that didn't have salvation, that was sick, that was spiritually sick. And so I'm going to go after that one. Can I just say the next thought for you and I is this, that his love is seen in our search. I really believe that. Like how do we search for the lost every day? And you think about that, right? Because Jesus is big on the lost. He's, he's like, hey, man, here, let me tell you this story. Here's, here's what I would do. If I lost a sheep, I'm going to go after him. I'm going to go, and I'm going to find that. I'm going to search it out. I'm going to find it, and I'm going to find where that is. And if you look at verse, check out verse 8, and this is the second parable of this story. And this is about a woman who has some coins. And, and, and he says, or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully, Carefully until she finds it. It's like, you know, if I had these 10 coins and, it, and those coins were, maybe they weren't just her income. Maybe they had a, a, an attachment, a sentimental value to them. Maybe it was a dowry from her dad or something special that was just incredible that she had. But she loses one. And so instead of, oh, I'm just going to cut my losses, she's looking for that one. And she begins to sweep. She begins to go through things. How many of you have done that? When you've lost something in your house, you turn your whole house upside down to try to find the one thing, right? Guess what? That's how Jesus loves the lost. Can you imagine that? And he wants us to have that kind of heart. Like our search 
shows his love. Like, how are we searching for the lost? Like this church, I want to reach the lost. I don't know about you. I want to reach people that don't know Jesus. And so what we want to do is we want to say, hey, Lord, help us. Give us wisdom on how we can reach those people who don't know you. How that, how that we can bridge the gap between those people that may know you, uh, but that, that, that don't know you, that we can um, bridge the gap between them and church. That they wouldn't come here thinking, oh, I'm not welcomed here. Because there's some people that are wandering sheep that maybe you've just wandered from a relationship with the Lord and you've wandered away from them because you've been maybe bummed out because of what a pastor said or did or somebody at a church did something or something happened that was radical and you go, wow, I can't believe they did that. And now you've left the faith and, and you basically are wandering and God wants us to grab you back and say, hey, here you go. This is, let's put you right back and let's go ahead and make you better. But But the idea for this is, what about those people that don't know Jesus at all? What about those people that are totally lost, that we have an opportunity and really a responsibility, according to Matthew 28, right? Go into all the world and make disciples, preach the gospel and make disciples. We have this responsibility to go in and do it. So I want you as a church and me as a pastor to pray that this church, we would be able to begin to bridge the gap with the lost. That we would say, God, give us wisdom and ideas. Give us that invitational heart that let us know, Lord, that you love these people, whoever they may be, wherever they may be. I don't care what they've got going on. I don't care if you've, you've gotten uh, rested this last weekend because of something. It doesn't matter. You should be able to come into this place. And this should be the place where you hear how much you are loved by the Lord. Because if he's willing to search for you like that, he loves you very much. He loves you. Yeah, that's the bottom line. He loves those people. And, and at the same time, we know that we can build up that love. And, and then you go back and check out what happens. And here's, here's kind of the joy that comes forth from this. It's in verse 6 and 7. It says, and when he comes home, talking about the sheep, he gathers together his friends. So he's carrying the sheep on his shoulders. And neighbors saying to him, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. See, that was their kind of rebuke to the Pharisees. You guys don't want any of these sinners here. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 who say, oh, I'm good with God. I'm, I'm fine. No, no, no. And we don't, we don't want anybody else to get, a, get ahead. We wouldn't want them to be where, where God wants them to be. And then in the the parable of the lost coin, he says it this way, verse 9. And when she has found it, the the woman finds the, the, uh, the lost coin. She calls her friends and neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. If I could just say it this way, God's joy is our joy. His joy in heaven over one sinner becomes our joy because you know what? There is nothing greater in your life than you bringing somebody to know Jesus Christ. I'm telling you right now. There is no greater joy than you realizing, wow, I I actually brought this person. They came to church. They got saved. Something happened in their life. They went from lost to being found. Their life's different. They're radical, on fire for Jesus. There is nothing greater in your heart than that kind of joy. And God's joy. And do you notice that God rejoices 
the heavens rejoice. There will be more joy in heaven, verse 7, over one sinner who repents than over 99 just people. And then in verse 10, likewise, I say to you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God. And you know what that means? It's not joy of the angels. There's joy in the presence of the angels. And the angels are in the presence of God. So I guarantee you the joy is coming from God about one sinner who comes to repentance. That's cool, right? That the heavens rejoice, that God's rejoicing over one sinner who comes to repentance. Like if you're here today and you go, man, I've never been forgiven of my sins. I don't have the promise of eternal life. I've never, and, and, and you said, yes, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I believe Jesus, you died for me. You came into this world. I, I put my faith in you, Lord. You, you paid your, the price for my sin with your blood on the cross. Lord, I put my faith and trust in you. You know what? What happens at that moment is that you are forgiven. And what happens in heaven is that God's throwing a party. And that's pretty cool. That we get the opportunity to be a part of this. That you and I are his instruments. That you and I get to be his instruments on this earth to say, how can I reach people? How can we bring people to know him better? How can we get to that place, Lord, where we can be your instruments, your hands and your feet, that we would actually get out there and do whatever it is you want us to do and reach whatever people you want us to reach. God, may you pour out your spirit upon us that we would never forsake reaching the lost. Because, man, God's joy is going to be our joy. It's going to be awesome. But you have to have a heart to realize that this isn't what it's all about right here. I'm going to tell you, Sundays is not it. It's every day that you and I live as a Christian. And there's people that God puts in your life and purposes to put there for you to actually say, hey, do you know how much Jesus loves you? I just want you to know he loves you so much he would search the world for you. How crazy is that? Like you search your house for whatever it is that lost coin may be, how you clean and you unload and you do all. That's how much God searches for the lost sinner. Hebrews chapter 12. Check it out. It's this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and it sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Yeah, there's a joy he was going to go back to be with the Father for sure, that part of joy. But man, there's a joy set before him that was going to be each person that would come to know the Lord Jesus, be forgiven of their sins because the joy would come from heaven. You see, that I, I don't know about you, but we should be having celebrations all the time, right? Like, Lord, help us to, we want, we want to know, we want people to know you. We want your heavens to rejoice. We want the heavens to be exclaiming, wow, look what God is doing. Look how he used you. And I want you to know that your purpose is not in your past, but it's in what God wants to do in your present and in your future. And if you're willing to say, all right, that's who I was, but Lord, you can use me to reach people now. I pray that our church would be one that would reach people in a way that maybe we could make an impact on this whole area, whether it's right here around this school, maybe it's across the highway, maybe it's over US1, wherever it may be in your buildings, in your neighborhoods, that we would pray and say, Lord, help me to reach that person that doesn't know you. Help me to be, help me to be the one that, doesn't just hold it in. 
I don't want to hold it in, Lord. I don't want to be one of the 99 who think, well, everything's cool with me, so that's okay, but I don't need to. No, we got to get outside of our box, outside of our world, outside of our comfort zone, and say, Lord, there's more to do in this world. You know, you got me? There's so much more. And if we could say, Lord, help me to do more. Help me to reach more. If you're in a business, I guarantee you, you're not satisfied with just, oh, yeah, I just got that. You're always trying to sell or you're trying to get better. You're trying to build it. You're trying to make more. Well, guess what? The Lord is saying, man, I am in the business of saving souls. I want to see people's sins forgiven. I want them to have a changed life. I want them to go from the mess to the masterpiece. And if you're willing to be a part of that, then I can use you for that great purpose. But we have to actually be his hands, his feet, his legs, his mouth. And we have to get outside of these walls, which, man, can be sort of, all right, we're in the church, but this isn't it, you guys. We got to get outside and we got to share the good news with other people so that they can come and hear or even be saved out there and get here and get discipled so that we could see people's lives change and that will bring joy to the heavens amen you ready for some joy (laughs) that was lame okay (laughs) that's good you may be here and you've wandered away from the lord and i just want to say this that um some doubt some walk away some some go, and uh, I want to tell you that the Lord will never give up on you. He loves you very much. And I'm not sure where you're at or what's happened in your life, but I know one thing, that the Lord loves you very much. And I don't care if you've come in here, and this last weekend was, oh, man, I just, you don't understand, I just did this, I, I smoked this, I watched this, I did porno, I'd, I was hanging out with this person, I, I did all these things that were wrong, I knew it didn't please God, and God's going, I, I, I'm, I'm searched you out, that's why you're here, I love you so much, I want you to know how much I'll, I'll love you, and if you just surrender your life, that's it. So I want to pray for us as a church, and pray for us, not only... Uh, just to, to, know, to know God in a way where it's not just here on Sundays, but outside of this building, that we actually take this hope to everyone else. You know, our mission statement at the church is that, that we would grow. It, we want people to grow and, and, and really know and grow in their love of Jesus, right? And then we want to bring that love to everyone and bring his hope to everyone. And so the idea would be, man, we want people to know the Lord. We want them to know them, but then we want to bring that hope to everyone else. And so whether that's you reaching out outside of these walls or whether it's you being a part of a community group and coming up with some incredible outreach that we could do, um, we want to pray for God's wisdom that we could reach the lost so that they could be found, so that there would be rejoicing in heaven. And if you're here and you don't know him yet, man, this could be the day where you go, yeah, let me surrender my life and begin that today. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time. I thank you, God, for your words. And uh, Lord, more than anything, I thank you, Jesus, that you love people. Lord, you love sinners. Lord, you love us. You love us so much that you laid down your life for us and you, you gave up everything so that we could be forgiven and have this promise of eternal life. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as a church to be empowered, to be strong, to be enabled, to be ready 
to go out, Lord, and, and search and, and find. Lord, like we lost something valuable in our own life, may we begin to search like you would search for those who don't know you because we know you have a better purpose and plan for their life than anything else. So, God, I pray you would empower us, that you would anoint this church, that you would in, in, enliven us, Lord, that you would give us a new joy in our heart for what the hope of the gospel brings, that we could see you rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who comes to repentance. And God, I pray for anybody in this house today that doesn't know you, that Lord, if they don't know forgiveness of sins, they don't know the promise of eternal life. They didn't know you loved them so much. You would search the the highways and byways for them. God, you would go into the crevices of the dark and the deep and you would pull out whatever you could to find them. God, I pray that they would know today. They would leave here today, not only knowing that, but knowing you. And they would know your love and they know your grace and they'd know how much you care. So God, I thank you. I thank you for this church. I thank you that, Lord, you're doing something in us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us and guide us and help us to go in your power, in your strength, bringing you joy. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.